Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is February 3rd, 2021. Welcome to an edition of Canadian Common Sense, a full edition. It is Tony here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in Balmy, BC. How are you, my friend? Oh, pretty good. I'm uh, going on an elk hunt tomorrow, so uh, you won't be getting any rants from me before next week's episode because I'll be uh, deep in the bush and uh, uh, going for uh, going for my first elk. So, well, that sounds exciting. Yeah, except it's it's going to be so exciting. It's going to be 27 below zero where we're going. So, well, that's actually what we're slated for for this weekend so you'll be in good company <laughs> yeah except except here i am sitting here looking at the lake telling you about how cold that hunt is going to be and it's actually and where i'm sitting right now is seven above and sunny and beautiful and i'm wondering why i am going to where i'm going <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, it'll be fun if nothing else. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm taking my son along, and it's his first hunt. So, Oh, fantastic. Yeah. A little father-son bonding time, too, then. Yeah, so. yeah. So how are you? Not too bad. It's uh, getting chillier here. It's actually nice out today with a bit of a wind. But then, um, yeah, as typically happens in February, it's going to get bitter cold this weekend. Yeah, well... Hence why I don't live on the prairies anymore. Yeah, but I love it. I'm not sure why sometimes, but I love it here. <laughs> I, I'm not sure all the time why why you love it. So. <laughs> all right, so Canada, we have got one heck of a show for you today. On the show, COVID, travel bans, vaccines, to vaccinate or not to vaccinate. Oh, wait, there's no question because there's no vaccines. EU export restrictions and what's in those contracts Bill C-238 defeated in the House of Commons SNC-Lavalin's back in the news and who are the Proud Boys where do you want to start my friend well let's let's start with the Proud Boys sure the- yeah so what what happened was the uh, liberals, the NDP, the Green Party, the Bloc Québécois, and believe it or not, the Conservative Party voted in unison to make the Proud Boys, along with 11 or 12 other groups, uh, classified as terrorist groups in Canada. You know, I I don't really know much about the Proud Boys other than what I've heard from interviews on the radio. Like Roy Green had a had a gentleman on talking about them. I believe it was last weekend, and they don't really seem to be much of a thing in Canada. Period. But I don't know if I'd go so far as to call them a terrorist group necessarily. But I guess I don't know enough about them. Yeah. Well. I'll give you a quick rundown on them. So the Proud Boys were created by Gavin McInnes. And Gavin McInnes is a Canadian. 
and he uh, is the co-founder of Vice. And Gavin McInnes created the Proud Boys as a joke. It was purely a joke at first. Um, it slowly spiraled into a security group. So whenever Gavin McInnes would go and speak somewhere, the Proud Boys, who were just fans of his, would show up and they would provide security at his at his talks. And as, since he is more on the conservative side of things, the uh, uh, you know what happened several years ago. I mean, we saw it happen to Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro and and several other uh, prominent free speech advocates. That uh, it became necessary to have security. And so the Proud Boys became like his, his like pseudo military security group. And it has, you know, quickly gotten a little bit out of control. And since, since it's become a anti Antifa group, they show up and they'll fight Antifa or whatever in, uh, at these protests in, in the U S Gavin McInnes has distanced himself from him and has, uh, you know, said he, he wants nothing to do with the proud boys anymore, uh, because they've gotten out of control. They're not what they used to be. Now, the fact that they're referred to as white supremacists and racists and all of this is kind of, well, how do I put it? A lie. Um, since many of their members are black and Hispanic, uh, and in fact, some of their like the leader of the Proud Boys right now is a Hispanic man. Um, so, to call them racists is a lie. It's an outright lie. They're not racists. They're not white supremacists. I find it very hard to believe that anybody could honestly call them that considering their leader isn't even white. Um, but they have become increasingly violent and they do, like I said, they show up wherever Antifa is and they go to, they go to war with them. They, they fight with them in the streets. So, uh, but they're not, I wouldn't call them terrorists. I definitely would not call them terrorists. And I'm very disappointed in the conservative party for going ahead and uh, voting with the left-wing groups, like the left-wing parties in the house of commons and to call them uh, terrorists, because if they're terrorists, then Antifa sure as hell is BLM sure as hell is, but they didn't get that, that, uh, that title bestowed upon them. Well, that's interesting. I uh, I had heard that the the leader of the Proud Boys was uh, was Hispanic or Afro Cuban. I think is what uh, how it was described. And I I had to laugh. This was a number of years ago when Gavin McInnes was well when he was first under attack, being accused of being a, a racist, and 
he's married to a lady who is a uh, native American and, yeah. and I remember somebody went so far as to say, he's so racist that he married, married a visible minority just to show how much he hates minorities. And I, yeah. <laughs> how does someone square that circle? <laughs> no, well, you know, it, it is, it's because the way they do that now, the, the woke, I, and I believe I sent this video to you. It's, it, it was a video of two men, one wearing a racist, a shirt that says racist, and one man wearing a shirt that says woke. And they say exactly the same things. And, <laughs> and one of the things was the racist at one point in the video says, you know, I've never believed that uh, interracial dating was appropriate but then this woke guy came along and made it cool and he says and the woke guy says yeah he says a white guy or sorry uh, uh, a black guy that dates white women is um, uh, racist towards his own kind and a white guy that dates minority women is uh, fetishizing them Oh my gosh. And so it's like, it, it is a parody video, right? But it, it it's accurate. This is what they believe. So when they see that Gavin McInnes, uh has married someone who is of a visible minority, um, that's what they believe. They believe that he is a racist because you know that 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 marrying her makes him a racist they actually believe that yeah that's that that's ridiculous um you'd mentioned when you know other cons prominent conservatives come under attack and like you mentioned jordan peterson and um one you missed and i think he it's he was one of my favorites for a while with milo yiannopoulos because he was everything that the left would never think is a is you know a conservative free speech kind of guy because he was very openly gay and he was quite happy to admit that he loved black men and he's married to a black man and he was just anything but what you would call your stereotypical conservative and I think the left was actually the most violently opposed to any speaking event that Milo was ever booked at until he finally gave up. Oh yeah. No, like some of his events had to be canceled because the violence that erupted before he even arrived on the, uh, on the, at the premises where his, his talk was going to happen. Uh, the police, the police would cancel the event because they said the violence was getting out of control. Like, and, and, and the things that Milo I mean, yeah, Milo's been tarred and feathered for for saying a few things that he that he, he said that were fairly inappropriate. Um, though, I mean, we could we could easily get into a discussion about why he said the things that he said. Um, but I mean, we don't have the time for that today. But <laughs> he uh, he was called by the left a homophobic racist. <laughs> And yet, and yet, and yet, he's a openly flamboyantly gay 
man married to a black man. Yeah. <laughs> so, and he's very proud that he's gay and that he's married to a, a beautiful black man, as he put it. So, you know, there's, there's just no reasoning with people on the extreme left. There just is no reasoning with them, just like there's no reasoning with people on the extreme right. But the thing, but the difference is, is that the extreme left is becoming the mainstream left and the extreme right is not becoming mainstream right. That's actually a really good point because you just your suggestion that the conservative party of Canada voted in lockstep with the, with the woke liberal left tells you exactly what the, what the quote unquote right is in Canada and they're creeping ever further to the left. And I mean, I wouldn't even call the conservative party a centrist party anymore, which is what Aaron O'Toole refers to them as. But when you're trying to pander to and appease the woke left-wing media, that's always going to hate you because you've got conservative attached to your name. What's the point? Well, the thing that I see happening, Aaron O'Toole, if Aaron, okay. The things that Aaron O'Toole is doing since taking control of the party is the first thing he's doing is he's moving the party left. Um, And we talked about this last week about how the conservative party of Canada doesn't even have a single policy left from when it was the reform party. Uh, It has, doesn't have a single policy left from when it was the Canadian Alliance. And it almost doesn't have a single policy left from when the for, when the Canadian or when the Conservative Party of Canada first formed, when the Canadian Alliance and the Progressive Conservatives merged. Um, the Conservative Party of Canada is just a hair left of center now, and. That leaves one conservative party, like one conservative party in the country that is national, and that would be the uh, PPC, the People's Party of Canada, Uh, and the Maverick Party, which I still say is the worst name they could have gone with. Yes. Almost. It's one of the worst names they could have gone with. Um. It, 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 I, I just liken it to Rebel News. It's like Rebel News is a stupid name too. Like it just it it makes you just cringe when you hear Rebel News or Maverick Party. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean that that's that's what we're, we're we're left with in Canada on the right now. We're we're left with the PPC and the Maverick Party. That's it, because the Conservatives are not even close to being Conservatives anymore. And the thing is, is that they're is that the conservative party of Canada, their ranks are still made up of people who were there when it was the reform party. And it just makes me question their, their convictions. Did they ever, did they ever believe or subscribe to what the reform party or the Canadian Alliance ever stood for. 
Well, it does make you wonder. You made the point before about um, Tom Mulcair, how he was very much an NDP -er, but suddenly once he's back in public life or out of public life in private life and he's working for CTV, suddenly he's actually really enjoyable to listen to. Yeah. Yeah, he's very level-headed. Yeah, so I mean, just it. So it could very well be opportunism on the the part of those folks who were jumping on the reform ticket back in the day and just stayed on the conservative ticket. So, yeah, which which to be honest, erodes my faith in the Canadian political system. I mean, what's why vote for these people if they don't even believe in what they're talking about? Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned eroding your faith in the Canadian political system, because that will segue us right into our, our next topic. Conservative MP Bob Sorova, who's from Southern Ontario, brought a, a bill before the House of Commons, Bill C-238, that, which was a, a bill effectively to toughen up on, on crime. And what the bill essentially was going to do was make tougher sentences for anybody who was caught with an illegally smuggled handgun in Canada, one that was smuggled in from another country. And not only would it make, would it make tougher sentences on people caught with these, these firearms, the people caught would have to make their case for bail bef- or make their case for why they should be released before, in order to get bail before their hearing. And to me, that would be, a no-brainer. Yes, let's go after the, the border security because that's where the problem is. The Nova Scotia shooter got their firearms illegally from the United States. So to me, it's like, yes, perfect. Let's tighten up the border restrictions. But yeah, no. <laughs> but that bill was defeated 169 to 147 because the Liberals and NDP ganged up together, voting against the Conservatives and the Bloc, to defeat that bill, which leads me to wonder, how serious is the Trudeau government about gun crime? They're not. Not at all. No, they only care about taking uh, guns away from law-abiding citizens. That's it. They don't care about actual gun violence. Because if they did, they would have voted for it. Because there is... The thing is, is that the overwhelming majority of gun violence in Canada, and I, when I say overwhelming majority, I mean nearly all of it, is from illegally obtained and illegally smuggled firearms oh you're absolutely right it is it is the, the the overwhelming majority probably like you say almost all and look at toronto and i hate to pick on toronto but no actually no i don't um the gun crime in toronto the gang shootings is even by meritorious admission guns that have been smuggled in from the united states and the, the handguns especially yet the Liberal government, who wants to win those Toronto seats and wants to win Ontario votes, decides to completely dismiss that and to say, nope, let's go get those duck hunters. Yeah. 
And the thing is, I don't understand that because if they actually cared, if they actually cared about gun violence, then tougher sentencing on people who, who, who have, who are in possession of illegally obtained weapons would, would be at the top of their list. Absolutely. It would. And this is, this is one of those things that really angers the hell out of me because this is, I mean, Jean Chrétien did this as well with the long gun registry where it targeted hunters because it was going after long rifles and, and not after uh, criminals because like, this is the thing I have to explain to people every time they, they say, Oh, this is a good thing. Like, let's get those guns. Let's get those guns. Well, okay. First of all, it is really difficult in Canada to own a firearm. And it's really difficult, like extremely difficult to own a handgun in Canada. Yes, it is. And it's very easy to uh, get yourself on the prohibited list from owning a firearm in Canada. All it takes is a criminal record. Yep, absolutely. And you're and you're no longer allowed to own a firearm. And it's and they'll come and they'll take them away. And the, every firearm owner in Canada has their name checked against the criminal uh, database in Canada every single day. Yep, that is all true. And you and I are both firearms owners, which means that our names are checked by the RCMP computer systems. They are they run our it, our names are run every single day of the year against uh, criminal convictions. And if our name pops up, the RCMP come to our door and take our guns. Yep, and actually, it's it's exactly that simple too. But yet. The Liberal government says, you and I, we're the problem. Those criminals who are taking guns illegally, like the one who killed 22 people in Nova Scotia last year, oh, yeah, no, don't. they're not the problem. It, it's, it's you and I who actually lock our guns up, lock our ammo away in a, in a completely separate room and only take them out to go to the shooting range or go out to wherever to, uh, to target practice. But yeah, we're the problem. Yeah, like, the, here's something for people to know, all right? Like, my my guns have to be locked in a gun safe, and that gun safe must be out of public view. So you are not even allowed to be able to see that gun safe from a window. Okay? Correct. Now... If you take your gun out of the gun safe and you transport it, it must have a trigger lock on it. Now, while your gun is in the gun safe, buried in your basement somewhere or in your closet or whatever, if someone breaks into your home while you're asleep, 
and you go to get your gun, you're not shooting anybody because your ammunition is not allowed to be stored near your guns. Like, they make it so you can't even protect yourself in your own home with a firearm because your ammunition has to be in a different room. That's right. And locked up. Yeah, exactly. So if you wanted to use a firearm to defend yourself, you would need to ask the criminal who's breaking into your house, give me five minutes, okay? <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't remember my combination. Just give me a second. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's those are the laws in Canada. And anybody who doesn't own a firearm doesn't know that. They just think it's like the Wild West in the U.S. where, like, anybody can just have a gun. And that's not even the case in the U.S. Like, there are rules in the U.S. too, but they're just very, very poorly enforced. And some states have no rules at all, like Texas. But, um, but, uh, but no, Canada is not like the U.S. And I wish people would stop thinking it is. And I wish our left-wing parties would stop telling Canadians that it's like the U.S. Yeah, well, that's that last thing that you said, that's probably a big part of it, is our left-wing parties with... Uh, dealing in misinformation so yeah as well as our media yeah that's right so speaking of our left-wing parties let's talk a little bit about covid okay we'll talk a lot about covid and i think we'll start with travel bans the trudeau government now that all of our politicians have come back from their christmas vacations the trudeau government has now decided that you and i the peasants cannot go on vacation you and i the peasants are not no longer allowed to fly to mexico or the caribbean and anybody who does and comes back has to go to a government sanctioned hotel to quarantine for a minimum of three days at a potential cost of two thousand dollars so I'm thinking not very many of us peasants are going to be able to afford to do that. No. Um, I might see, sound a little controversial here, but I'm going to say I applaud this move. Um, the virus is being spread by travelers. I mean, that's how it got here in the first place. It is. That's how the new... That's how the new variants, the highly, the more, even more contagious variants arrived here was by travelers. And it just seems like there are people who are just saying, screw, screw this. I'm going to Hawaii or I'm going to Mexico and they go to Mexico. And it, the thing is, is that Mexico is one of the worst hit countries in the entire world. And people are going there. They're coming back. And you're finding out afterwards that there was an entire plane full of people. Every single row of the plane was exposed to COVID. And they come home and they don't self-isolate. They go to the grocery store on the way home. They... Do they, you know, they go and get stuff that they need from the store, from Walmart or whatever, and they're not self-isolating. And it's very important that they do. 
I mean, I have no problem with self-isolation. I have no problem with, uh, with all of that, but a lot of the, and I know some of these people, so I know it's happening and I've, and I've like ripped these people and, and like, I've really reconsidered my friendships with a couple of people because of what they've done with traveling and how they've just not given a crap when they get back about isolation. And so I think it's about damn time that the government did this. It should have been done earlier. And, uh, and I applaud it. It's one of the few things that Trudeau's done that I actually agree with. I don't necessarily have a problem with making the travel bans. If it was such a big deal and it was such a, a security threat to this country, it should have happened immediately. One, two, Travel only accounts for less than 2% of, of COVID cases in this country. But I, I will actually allow the point that that number could be skewed because travelers bring it back and then spread it through the community. So how do you trace it from that point? So I'll give it on that point. What bugs me is that it's the political class and the elite saying, oh, we can go. And now that we're all back and Parliament's back in session, now the rest of you can't go. And... I'm going to take a little bit of a sidebar because there was some film footage of Toronto Mayor John Tory's cottage in Florida. It's actually a mansion. And there was a big house party down there, and John Tory's wife was there. But we don't know if John Tory himself was there. Oh, great. Yeah, and he was the one who was saying, oh, they should have the book thrown at them if they want to leave. They know better. And so then, of yeah. course, and Rebel News, I have to give Ezra Levant some credit. He actually does some actual journalism sometimes. He <laughs> does. And I and I and despite the fact that I think he's a, a dirtbag, he does do some real journalism. Yeah, and he's a dirtbag. He's a blowhard. And I uh, I knew him when he was young and he was the blowhard back then, too. And um, But, yeah, he actually contacted Mayor John Tory's office and they. uh all they said was, well, Mayor Tory was in Toronto all weekend, and then they pointed to a couple of virtual events that he did. So then, of course, Ezra Levant just said, well, if he did virtual events, then how do we know he was actually in Toronto? And we don't. So No. And, and we still don't know where Trudeau was over the holiday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's that hypocrisy that really pisses me off. I mean, like you, I don't necessarily have a problem with the travel ban as long as it's a blanket ban. But how it's played out, at least how I interpret it, is that people can still fly to the U.S. and from the U.S. go to Mexico and whatnot. And then as long as they are willing to pay the price of the, the couple grand when they come back here for isolating, et cetera, they can get away with it. And I don't like that. And then what I also don't like is that we can still go to Florida or Arizona, Texas, and that's okay. And that's where a lot of snowbirds go. In fact, 68% of Quebecers go to Florida for, for March break when they go. And they can still do that. So if we're going to ban travel to Mexico or the Caribbean, then why the hell are British Columbians still flying to Hawaii and Quebecers still able to go to, to Florida and people from the prairie still able to go to Arizona? Like this, there's just, 
there's a lack of consistency that's really ticking me off. Yes, and I agree with you 100% on that. The the consistency is is non-existent and they they and they have a different set of rules for themselves. I mean, we saw I don't know how many politicians traveled during Christmas break. It was uh it was absolutely disgusting the way that the same exact politicians that were telling us not to travel were traveling themselves. And the thing is, is that this is a mentality that I see in everyday life too, with just regular folk. And that's why I am actually supporting this ban now because, uh, and the forced isolation when you get back, because it's, it's like, um, I, 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 you know, a neighbor of mine, uh, not a direct neighbor, but a neighbor on my street, I know, had their their adult sons stay with them during Christmas, um, and they went to Vancouver Island for uh, uh, several days after Christmas and stayed in an Airbnb. And they justified it all by saying that you know, they're in our circle. Well, your sons don't even live with you. They live in different cities. They're not part of your circle. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I see this all the time and it's just, you, if we're going to destroy people's businesses because of this, then, then the least people could do is, follow the rules that have been set out to help get this over with so that people's businesses can open up again. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. And where I think we've gone too far and that is we as Canadian society is being tried in Toronto and Montreal now where they've got stay at home orders and curfews is that governments, provincial governments have actually hired private security firms to go door to door to check on people, make certain that they are, I guess, staying home, isolating, et cetera. And this is a case where yet again, Justin Trudeau was listening to our show because it was only a week or two ago when I did a rant referring to the brute squads coming, going door to door and checking on people. And now that's exactly what we've done. We've actually hired brute squads to go door to door and say, make sure that you're staying home. Oh my God, it's a 759. You get in that door in Quebec. And I don't think Canadians need to be treated like children for, well, for as long as we have been. And I don't understand why there isn't, you know, a mass uprising yet. Well, I, I can tell you why there hasn't been one in BC, and that's because our restrictions here have been have been uh, largely based on common sense, uh, which I, I have never known an NDP or to have common sense, <laughs> but ours currently seem to have some. Um, and so people here are like, you know what, I can deal with the minor restrictions that they've got in place and we can we can do this we can do this for a year a year and a half we can do this but 
in Ontario and Quebec, uh, those there's going to be uprisings there. And we're already seeing it. There's already protests, like, on a weekly basis out there. There's protests. They're just not getting covered by the media. True, yeah. I mean, and the police are actually... Well, they were, I did see one video. They quite violently arrested some protesters in Toronto the weekend before last. So, Yeah, and an organizer of the protests has been charged three times now. No. And and it's like, you know, like the these lockdowns, these curfews, all of this, it isn't working. We know it isn't working. The science backs it up. The stats back it up. They're not working and it's creating bigger problems than they're solving. And if you, if you, if you loosen up the restrictions and and allow people to live and go to work like they're doing in BC, then people will have an easier time of following the rules because they're not going to have, you know, lockdown fatigue the way that they're they're having in ontario and quebec yeah i think that's that's uh that's certainly a good point it's really difficult to live your life like that for a year well it is especially when they continue to uh they tighten up and then they loot then they back off and they tighten back up again it's just it's it's but 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 if you're living in bc like i am it's it's actually not that difficult to live under BC's restrictions. And so it's easy to follow. It's easy to follow the rules for an extended period of time. But if I had to live under B under Ontario or Quebec's rules, you can be damn sure I'd be out there protesting. Yeah, I think I could go along with that. So, uh, well, we've still got enough time here. I'm going to want to talk just a little bit about our vaccine situation in Canada. Now we continue to slide down the scale as far as what rank we are in the world for immunizing our population, we were at about two and a half percent nationally, which is abysmal, pathetic. And we have no Pfizer vaccines coming in this week. We've got a cut again, again. Yeah. And Moderna has cut their shipment by 78%. And we posted this up on our Facebook page the other day, the little video of when, Mr. Trudeau was asked a question about it, about how the UK has ramped up domestic production and have vaccinated, I believe, four times the percentage of population that we have. And Mr. Trudeau's smug, arrogant answer was, well, they have a a, a larger problem with increasing cases than Canada does, so perhaps the UK would like, like to be more like Canada. Yeah, I saw that, and I was absolutely gobsmacked that he even said that yeah what an arrogant prick yeah i mean i mean he's he did it with a smirk on his face too yeah and what's been really bugging me i mean other than the fact that if I hear one more liberal politician tell us we've got the most diverse portfolio of vaccines i am probably going to end up on top of a water tower with a high-powered sniper rifle. But I'm also... Don't say that. Don't say that. (laughs) You were joking. I was totally joking. joking. 
totally Canada, joking. He was joking, joking, <laughs> joking, joking, joking. Yes, completely kidding. I don't have a sniper rifle. So <laughs> anyway, um, the next statement I'm getting tired of hearing is that we have been assured by the European Union that we are still going to get our expected doses. Now, there's two two ways to go on this. Number one is that we've got nothing in writing. So we've just been told that, oh, yeah, they said we're going to be good. So we've got the European Union, which has threatened to restrict exports so that they can hoard vaccines for themselves and meet their own contract demands. And a gentleman on the, on the weekend on an interview show had said there was actually part of Canada's contract leaked, which stated that Pfizer and Moderna actually weren't contractually obligated to deliver vaccines to Canada until the second quarter, which means April. So if, yeah. so if that's true, then they have absolutely no obligation to send us any vaccines. So... I find that pretty troubling if that's the case. And we don't know because unlike the United States and Brazil and Mexico and many European countries, Canada has refused to release the contract for we, the people, the peasants to check out. Yeah. And the, and the thing that, one of the things that really gets me about this is that, and I believe Trudeau just signed, just signed a new deal uh that would allow Canada to manufacture our vaccine our own vaccines with that no uh, yeah yeah but not until cuz th- there's a lab or a manufacturing lab or whatever being built right now and or updated and it won't be ready until the end of the summer when according to Trudeau and, and his, his cohorts, we're supposed Canada is supposed to be fully vaccinated by September. So what's the point? Yeah, that's right. We'll be, we'll be ready for the next one by the end of this one. Yeah. No, I just, I I'm just so, yeah. He, I mean, he, he has, he has mishandled this so badly that it's, it's not even funny. I can't even make fun of him because it's he's just mishandled it so badly. He has. And what are we going to do about it, Canada? Nothing. We're going to reelect him. That's what we're going to do. That'll show him. Yeah. And, oh, and let's talk about something else he mishandled. Remember SNC Lavalin, the big scandal from La- from 2019. I do remember SNC Lavalin with their deferred prosecution agreement that they uh, they themselves suggested that the Liberal Party bring into 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 legislation. Yeah, and that a um, justice minister lost her job over um, all of this. Yes. Uh, yeah, you remember that, right? I do. Okay. Um, and you remember that SNC Lavalin got $7 million in contracts on the day that they uh, were convicted in court? I had forgotten that, but, uh, but thank yeah. you for reminding me. 
Yeah, they got $6.8 million in government contracts on the very day they were convicted of bribery and, uh, and other crimes related to Canadian projects. And, and then just, I believe it was just yesterday, we find out that FNC-Lavalin Ten, nine or ten months ago, was given a contract by the Trudeau government for $150 million to provide mobile uh, health units. Of course. And, and we've yet to see one delivered. And apparently we're only going to get two. Well, $150 million doesn't go very far when you're SNC-Lavalin. No, I mean, they got they got lots and lots of uh, pockets to pad yeah. before, before any of that money gets to the uh, actual project. $150 million for two mobile health units that we haven't even been delivered yet. That's insane. That's it. That's, I mean, I... Uh... You want to get mad, but at the same time, you realize that that's, that's business as usual for this government. And that's really got to change. And this is something, and yet again, we're, I'm, a, I'm sure you didn't care if you were right or wrong about this, but when you had stated in the rant about a month ago now that we need to get actual, honest, serious people into government in this country because what we have now is just a bunch of corruptocrats who all know each other and they all pat each other on the back. And this is just getting more and more ridiculous. The more stories like this come out, I'm just getting tired of it. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we what we need in government are people who don't want to be there because it, the people who want to be there, there's a reason they want to be there. I mean, not all of them. Some of them want to be there for the right reasons, but a lot of people want to be there because they like the power. They like the, you know, they they like the uh, uh, the 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 financial gain that they get from it. Um, it's like somebody who desperately wants to be prime minister. I can't trust them. Um, we need people in government who don't want to be there, but they feel they have to. Yeah, that's probably a good way to put it. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We, we've covered a lot today, and every single one of them makes me angry. Oh, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, and uh, at least today we didn't end it on a, on a really down note. I mean... Because we can look at this positive, because if we actually get people in government who, as you say, don't want to be there, but need to be, that's that's the way we can save this country. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and, and it's it's just I, I almost I, I fear that it's almost too late. Well, yeah, you might not be wrong on that one. So, yeah. All right, Canada. Well, this is Lewis out here in BC. Uh, have a great weekend. I will talk to you next week. And uh, good night. And it's Tony here in Saskatchewan. Good night, Canada.
Chris and Tony.